Have you ever wondered what it's like for other people to go through a life event? Is it the same for them? Is it different? And how? My name is Dr. Nikel Rogers-Wood. I'm a psychologist. I'm doing a podcast with my mom, Dr. Elsa Rogers, a retired Dean of General Studies. And we're going to be talking to different people about what it's like to go through a single life event at the same time. In our last episode, we started talking about what it was like to talk with kids about difficult topics. That's where we pick up this episode. And that's what's led me to be here because what's in my heart is really to bring change to the experience of cancer, to bring change specifically to the experience of cancer in young families, because I don't want the next generation of children to be impacted by cancer that is today. I truly believe the next, my kids will not experience the same cancer we did. There will be breakthroughs, there'll be treatments. If they're not curing cancer, they're living with cancer for 50 years. So the cancer of tomorrow is not the cancer I'm living with today. But if I don't fix my, the culture in my home, if we don't start bringing awareness to the, the culture of fear around cancer, then no matter what breakthroughs come, our children will still live under the shadow, under the fear in the emotional burden of cancer. And that's really what I want to fix. So you mentioned wanting to change the culture inside homes and families. And I wonder if you can talk more about that. And then I don't know if these are related, but like how you ended up messaging me and being like, what about these assessment tools for kids? Because I'm thinking about a conversation that nobody's having, that nobody's having right now. Definitely. So I have, I have an idea that and it's, it's a little bit jarring, but I, I don't think we can deny it. Fear is more detrimental to me and my family than cancer because cancer begins and ends with me. It is in my body. It's impacting me, but fear is contagious. So if I live with fear and I give it away to my children and I teach them to make every decision of their life out of fear, and that, and I, and I put fear in my relationships with my, my husband and my family and all, you know, everyone around me, everyone who loves me, then I am, I am impacting dozens, maybe hundreds of lives by placing, by limiting our relationship and limiting what they believe is possible because that fear is going to grow inside of them, right? It's going to like for my children specifically, if I teach them to respond to life and life's uncertainties and fear, then every decision they make throughout life, there will be some part of that attached to it, right? And it's going to shape every relationship, every expectation, every time they want to take a risk, right? And so for me, as a as a physical being, my life might end soon because of cancer. But my legacy wouldn't have to be impacted because if I had lived truly who I wanted to be, even for only 35 years, my legacy could still be love and passion and all the things that I wanted to represent, right? But instead, if I live after my cancer diagnosis in fear, then my physical body might still die at 35, but my legacy is now a legacy of fear. And that's what I have left in the world. And, and that is going to be much more detrimental than just my physical body being gone. And so I really, really want to help families recognize that this fear in your life 
is not doing you a favor and it's it's really limiting your children and how they will process their future hardships yeah so i'm sorry go ahead ma'am no no go ahead i was just going to follow up on that so did you get any helpful suggestions from nikhil oh no <laughs> that's no help that's what we're doing we're having a conversation <laughs> she said well some people do and some people don't and i said cool let's keep talking <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead, um, But I guess I, what I was, and that reminds me of that conversation that we had where um, we were talking about some parents out of their own fear for what the knowledge of the presence of cancer is going to do. They say, I'm not telling my kids. Yeah, um, so that is yeah. really hard. Um, so again, my, I, then this is, this is what hurts my heart the most, right? Because my, my whole work is really about raising healthy families, healthy families who happen to have cancer. I mean, there's like a difference between healing and cured. Like we may not be able to cure cancer, but we can heal these families along the way. And so what I see often, what I hear from families is I have cancer and I won't tell my kids it, they're, they're too young. I don't want to hurt them. You know, there's all of these ideas that by withholding the circumstance that's completely shifting your life with by not tell, speaking it out loud, you're protecting your children. And that just that just hurts me so much because I, I don't think that's a truth. I really don't. Um, when we when we hold back a piece of ourselves, any piece of ourselves, but especially huge, life changing, dramatic pieces of ourselves, and we won't let people in and see that then what we do is we create all these walls. Right now it's just, I'm not gonna tell them I got diagnosed. But then next week when you're not feeling well, well, I can't tell them why I'm not feeling well, so here's another wall. And then, oh, well, now I'm worried about this, but I can't tell them why I'm worried about it because th there's another wall. And you just start creating all these walls between you and your children. And your children know. And I think what I've, what I've heard in all my research is children assume worse, worse than what's actually happening, right? Like they, their minds don't, they're not going to process cancer. If they're small, they're not going to process cancer anyway, but you can tell them we have this problem and we're trying to take this solution. Right. And that breaks it down into very small pieces. But if you don't tell them what's happening, all they know is they're all of a sudden you are backing away from them and you're, and you're building these walls between their heart and yours and they can feel your fear. They can see their lives changing, but now you're not emotionally available to them. So there's no safety in that. And I just think that that is probably the worst thing we can do for our children, worse than telling them the truth. And I, I that's why, but that's my opinion. That's why I wanted Nikel to ask a lot of people <laughs> and see if we can like come to a, a, an idea that's just, not just mm -hmm. me. <laughs> so, well, so far, oh, go ahead, mom. No, no, I, know, I was just curious. I mean, you said that you didn't want to build walls between you and your children. So how did you eventually tell your children? Yeah, um, so for me, it was really easy because I started out with stage three. And so when you're stage three cancer, it's the, it's the, it's the post, the post, you know, the, the poster version of cancer, you lose your hair, you know, you go through chemo, you're sick, um, you, you have some tons of surgeries. So, um, so that was, I, I told them, but mostly they just saw the physical change in me. 
And of course, my children were so young, like I said, I, they were two, four, and six. So they weren't afraid of the cancer. They were afraid of all the changes happening in me because all they could process was, you know, the outer version of me at that point. And so watching me lose my hair, all of that was very difficult. For me, I would just tell them that, listen, this is not the disease. All of that you're seeing is not from the disease, it's from the medicine. And if it ever gets too hard, then we can stop the medicine and that'll be fine. And so, you know, they had to learn to trust me. Again, they need to process their uncertainty, but luckily I'm there emotionally with them to help them process that and not make them do it on their own and live in fear. So I can sit with them and say, like, I literally just remember sitting with my kids, like when I was sick, laying on the couch with my kids and just listening to their questions and answering everyone that, the ways that I could. And we were very, we didn't, you know, we're not showing them. We would talk about it in like school terms, like, oh, I'm going in for a test. Oh, I passed my test. I got really good, you know, scores on my test. You know, when I'm talking about scans or blood work, um, we sort of talked about doctors like they were my teachers, like, oh, they're going to help me learn to do this better or try to get stronger by doing that better. Like they were my teachers, right, to help me through this process. And so, you know, that's really what I remember. Um, now, you know, I've been living with cancer for seven years. So, you know, now I just check in with them every once in a while, especially if I have a scan or have multiple doctor's appointments back to back. I don't want to set off any alarms. So I'll just tell them, you know, these are all routine. It's just normal. Just checking in or I'll ask them, sit them all down and say, hey, this is what's going on. It's totally fine. Like, I'll tell you if anything changes, but I want to know if you have any questions or concerns right now. Because as they grow older, their questions change, you know, the questions of today are not the questions of last year, or even six months ago. So we want to make sure that we're checking in with our kids because they're going to hear a ton about it at school. If And imagine the, anyone over like 13 has a phone. What if my daughter Googled metastatic breast cancer and what does she see there, right? So I'm not saying she's done that, but she has the ability at any point If they say, if her friend says, what kind of cancer does your mom have? She says metastatic. And she, they're like, what does that mean? She's like, I don't know. Let's Google it. Oh my goodness. Right. That her whole, she would look on her phone and her mind might get blown. So that's why I think we must check in with them, see where their heart is, see what they need to need to ask. I think it's it's interesting because as you were talking about it, I was thinking about other medical conditions that people live with, like diabetes. You wouldn't not tell your kids that you have diabetes because you've got to take you know your blood sugar and all of that. And there there are a number of other medical conditions that people live with that, yeah, of course my kids know. And so I think, no, go ahead. No, I just oh, think I think it's because we have this fear concept around cancer that we don't have around diabetes, right? We yeah. have this huge unsolvable problem placed on top of cancer. Our kids don't have that and they won't have that unless we teach them that, right? But we have such a stigma. It used to be a shameful thing that you had to sort of hide away and not tell anybody. And we've just continued to carry that sort of shame stigma and the fear stigma along with the cancer diagnosis. Yeah, I think it's that fear. And I think that that's where a lot of my reaction has over the years has come from that, like, this is going to be the worst thing ever. And even if the person is with us for a little, you know, not even a little while, a number of years, this is just going to end badly. So freak out. Um, and I think that's just kind of out there. And so it's, I imagine that that is where parents are coming from. But 
in so doing, they're teaching their kids. The C word is like the worst. Be terrified. Yeah. Let's not talk about it. A lot of people call it the C word. Yeah. So all four of our guests this season are mothers. And when something as massive as cancer impacts your life, it impacts everything. And so something that we've talked about is how parents approach telling their kids. And in some instances, some parents choose not to tell their kids. Um, our guests opted to do so. And so what I wonder, you know, what kind of thoughts do you have about um, telling kids, not telling kids, or even that what you imagine that process would be to have to tell your children something that's quite difficult and scary, potentially scary for you. Cause it's kind of like when I think about with my kids, if something is difficult, I try to wrap my brain around it first and digest it some so that by the time I go to my children, I can package that in a way that they can hear and they hear me saying it calmly. Now, I would imagine if one had been diagnosed with cancer, that sense of, okay, I've got this figured out and I can be calm about it, isn't necessarily there because it's this very big, ambiguous journey that, you know, can be life-threatening or is life-threatening. But I, I think I'm going to come come to that answer from a different perspective. As somebody from another generation, I mean, I'm not ancient, but at the same time, I'm older. And I think that people of my generation tended to try to protect their children so much that they would not tell their kids that I'm ill, I have a life-threatening disease. And they never quite thought that by not telling the kids and having the kids find out later or maybe when they are on their deathbed that that is more mm. traumatic than telling the kids at an appropriate age level so if you have children who are five years old you try to simplify that situation so that they can understand or they can grasp what's happening to you in their little minds if you have teenagers you tell them differently but i think that as a rule we tend to want to protect our kids Sure. It's, it's kind of in the job description, <laughs> if there right. is one, right. for right. being a parent, like make sure they don't get hit by traffic and, mm -hmm. or like make sure they don't eat something that is deadly and make sure that they are safe. And that they are protected from yeah. all these big battles, like life-threatening illnesses where mommy would not be around again because she's ill and, you know, this may be fatal. It may be terminal and, you know. Yeah, I think I want to go back for a minute to what you said about generational differences. And I, yeah. I never thought about it that way, but it's interesting because if when I think about having done therapy with people, particularly adults that are kind of older, they're is so much mystery for a lot of them, particularly if they had some traumatic experience 
Um, and there's a lot of mystery because that's kind of how the brain compartmentalizes trauma and, and things like that. So that is that occurs regardless of age. But what I'm thinking about is a lot of times they'll say, and then my mom went away or she had a nervous breakdown or then she just wasn't there and then she came back and she seemed kind of out of it or my dad, you know, like would behave strangely and then a grandparent would take us and there was a lot of, I don't know what happened and I can't piece it together because just nobody was going to talk about it. Yeah, because I can talk about when, when I was growing up, there was an, a lot of illness around me. A number of my uh, relatives had the C word. They never even called it cancer. Really? Really. Now, I'm from the island, so it may be a different, uh, a different approach up here, but I do believe that the, the C word, I didn't realize until maybe I was a teenager that that's what they were talking about, or that's what happened to my aunt, because the adults would always, you know, be rather secretive about it. Wow. In fact, they, wanted, they just wanted to protect us, I think. And, um, go ahead. Well, no, I want to ask you then, given that you lived this kind of firsthand, it wasn't apparent, but it was, you know, other relatives. How did you feel as a kid hearing all this whispering and the C word and not having any clue, really, what was that? Well, you know, uh, uh, typical children, when you hear adults trying to be secretive, you want to hear what's going on, right? And that's the thing, like little ears, they're constantly but, picking things up. Right, but but still, we didn't. I didn't quite understand what was going on. I really never did. It was only when I grew up that I realized that, oh, that's what they were talking about. And I realized that um, I think they did us as children a disservice. Mm. Because now you have to look at familial history and all of these things and you go to the doctor and they say, any member of your family had X, Y, Z? And you are saying, uh, I'm not, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Oh, I think so. Think about all those things. Yes. And I don't know if it happens in this country. It may. And I don't want to overstep because I didn't grow up here. But at the same time, I have spoken to people in this country who would say, oh, but my parents never told me anything. I just didn't know. So so many layers because I'm thinking about, okay, you want to protect your children. You don't want them to be scared, but then they don't know what's going on, but they know something is going on. And right. then you have prevented them from having an accurate picture of their like medical history. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, so that, that brings it to a different topic. So I do um, admire our guests in that they chose to tell their children. Yeah. It, it's so multi-layered because, you know, when Lauren first asked to talk with me kind of about the trauma of a parent having been diagnosed with cancer and what that might look like, does it have to be traumatic? Does it, not, you know, those sorts of things. Um as we kind of talked through it and that's kind of not kind of that's what led to this season of the podcast as we talked through it i just thought about it very unidimensionally mm -hmm. is the parent going to tell their child they have cancer or not i did not think about all of the layers in terms of how people remember their childhoods how people understand their health history and also how do people handle 
challenging information. So is something that is challenging meant to be kept hush-hush, or can we be authentic about what's going on with us? Because that's another implicit message that's being translated. Right. And, and, and I believe that people would handle it differently. Some people even today would choose not to tell their children. Yeah. Because I think in a way they can wrap their heads around what's going on. And therefore, they won't know how to approach their children to say, this is what's happening to me. Others, on the other hand, may simply choose not to tell their children because they feel that the children, their children's childhood will be affected mm-hmm. by that news without actually recognizing that were the worst to happen, the children would be affected even more negatively. Yeah, Lauren and I have talked about that, about how even though talking about it with your kids can be difficult. It's actually harder on them if it's a surprise. If, if a parent's passing is a surprise because they didn't know it was going on. But I think at the same time, you make a really, really good point that in this discussion, we're not saying you have to do this or that, or if you make this decision, you're doing it right, or if you make that decision, you're doing it wrong. I think it's really important to remember that all of these parents are coming from a good place, trying to do right by their kids. And sometimes that means they make different decisions. And so this conversation is more about how do kids reason through difficult medical information and what are the impacts of having things be a secret, having things be out in the open. How do you tell them, especially like one of our guests, I think it was um, one of our guests, Sarah, her son was two. I mean, you know what I mean? So it has so many layers. And I think that it's important for us to really openly state that this is about thinking through it and, and navigating through it, knowing that all parents are different and all kids are different. And also, too, in addition to determining or deciding whether you should tell your kids or not, or not, you also have to decide what is the most appropriate time to do so. And I, um, well, I'm a psychologist, and so <laughs> I, I like to read the literature and the research, and so I think it's also really important to kind of check in with the specialists in this sort of area to determine or to learn more about what are the pros and cons and what is, what path is most likely to be the best for the child who has a parent going through um, cancer and cancer treatment, because sometimes what is easier in the short run is not actually easier in the long run. And so we have to think through the whole thing. And so that's what I would encourage, like do some research, ask some experts so that you can get a better sense of what does it mean if I choose to tell them, if I choose not to tell them, what are the things I need to consider here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
that's wise and just remember that every child is different because you may have two children in the same home close in age but one will react quite differently from the other in fact i think one of our guests at amy actually had that very experience so for me and i know this is not the same for everybody but because of my history as a child life specialist it was never a question i was going to talk to my children about this um because i know children overhear things when they put bits and pieces of information together often it's worse than if you had just talked to them openly and honestly um you know depending on their developmental stage they have trouble distinguishing between reality and fantasy you know you could get into all those developmental um aspects but um in addition, my grandmother died from metastatic breast cancer. I've been genetically tested. I do not have the gene, but that's not a level of understanding my children have gotten into. They just know grandma died from breast cancer. And so um, that that plays into our story because it, it just happened. I told my children the day I was diagnosed um, I'm, we're very open regardless of what the topic is. I would rather they come to me and have a conversation than like get their information off of social media. Um, and they also know, and this is it, it meant to be funny. They know, don't ask mom a question. If you don't really want the answer, <laughs> I will give it to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we've already, we already had that established in my family and, so it just happened to be that that day that I was diagnosed, that my two biological children were at our house, but my two bonus children, my husband's children were not, they were at their mom's. And so the three of us sat down, my daughter, my son, and I, and I calm, calmly shared that, you know, I, I just found out today that I have breast cancer and, um, with my daughter, who was 15 at the time, it kind of took me aback. She was very calm about it, very thoughtfully just said, wow, this doesn't feel like I thought it would feel. And so to me, that implied she'd already given it some thought, yeah. which yeah. was not on my radar at all. But then it's her personality to cope with things with humor. And so not long after that, she turned around and she's like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about this. You're too stubborn to die. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Next time on At the Same Time. At bedtime, it was still part of our routine at that time that he would want me to come over and give him a hug and when, when he was in bed and say goodnight. And so he asked me for a hug. I went to give him the hug and he screamed in my ear. He's like, ah, cancer booby. Like, because I touched him. Oh, my, our chest. Oh <laughs> and I'm like, you can't catch this from me. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate and subscribe to at the same time on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. That way you won't miss a single episode. We'd love for you to connect with us online. Our website is sametimepod.fireside.fm. You can also send us an email our address is sametimepod at gmail.com. Thank you to our guests, Malu Panohu, Amy Artuzo, Sarah Haverstick, and Lauren Huffmaster. Episode written and produced by Dr. Nikkel Rogers-Wood. Music by purpleplanet.com.
Copyright 2022 by Nikkel Rogers Wood, PhD, and Elsa Rogers, PhD.